<laughs> How hard could it be? I mean, really. I was, I was with my younger brother, and we had arrived the night before, late the night before, at the Hume Lake Christian Camping Centre in Central California. And we were with our friends, Bob and Esther Vernon. And at the time, Bob was the high-profile assistant chief of the Los Angeles Police Department. And he was also on the board of directors for this Christian camping centre, which was like a city in itself. It was so big. And so first thing we did after brekkie the next morning, he's introducing us to Bobby, who's the director of the whole mega camp. And Bobby is then showing us around Hume Lake Christian Camping Centre. It's, it's, it's my brother, Bob, and me, and Bobby. And we get to the high ropes course, and this is, this is years ago. It's, it's way before high ropes courses were a dime a dozen like they are nowadays. And I'd never seen one before this. And Bobby takes us and he shows us the whole course and he shows us what's called the pamper pole. Huge big pole. It's poking straight up in the air like a, like a light pole. And he explains that you do this, you get harnessed up, then you climb all the way to the top of the pole. Then you stand up on top of it. And then you jump. You jump up and you jump out to the trapeze. And you grab it. <laughs> I mean, how hard could it be, really? It looks pretty easy. But then he turns to me, to me, and says, hey, uh, Jeff, why don't you try it out? What? What? See, like, I've never been all that good with heights. But then again, like, he's a psychologist, this guy, so he's going to pick me apart if I say no. And, and, and my well-known police chief friend and my brother, not just my brother, but my little brother, my youngest brother. And they're all there. What am I going to say? And plus, like really, how hard could it be? And next thing I'm getting harnessed up and I'm climbing that pole and it feels like the earth is disappearing below me and I'm, I'm trying to stand on top of the pole but my legs, have you ever been so scared? My legs won't do what I wanted to do. So I, I can't say that too loud because they're going to hear me on the ground. But I actually start talking to my legs. Okay, okay, come on, come on, come on. We're going to get you up on top of the pole, up on top. Yeah. And then I get my left foot up on top of the pole and I sort of take my breath and for the breather for a minute. And then I'm saying, okay, now, yeah, um, you've got to come up too. And I'm talking to my right leg. You've got to come up too. And honestly, like I haven't had this experience before. My right leg then eventually does what I tell it to do my right leg comes up on top of the pole but the left leg just goes back down I'm petrified I'm shaking around like a leaf in the wind up there how hard could it be really I mean I've heard it said you have to when the going gets tough tough get going Billy Ocean sang it but how could it really be? If I told you, and if you believe me, that there are tough times ahead, 
Would that be you? Yeah, how could it be? Really? If I'm like the chief in Get Smart, remember this older show? My favourite show when I was a school kid. Every afternoon I watch it. And, and, and the chief said, Max, from the moment you leave this office, you'll be facing danger, starvation and torture. And you're like Max who would say to that, danger and starvation I can handle. Torture, I'm not so crazy about. You see, it's easy. And not only is it easy, it's sorely tempting for us to make the idea of following Jesus this rosy idea. That might even have happened with Peter, the fisherman from Bethsaida. He might have thought to himself, well, how could it really be? How about you, though? What's the picture you got? Following Jesus, like it's just a walk in the park? How, how hard could it be? Really? It couldn't be that hard, could it? And, and sometimes we all get to feeling fairly overwhelmed by our failures, don't we? And we look back and we feel guilty. And we look forward, feel doomed. And when you're overwhelmed by your failure, it can result in all sorts of dysfunctional, unhealthy behavior, none of which will actually help us to be the people that we we're made to be. You want the truth? You want the truth? Following Jesus is tough times ahead, my friend. It is not a picnic in the sunshine. It's just not. And any sermon or book or podcast or social media post or fad or theory that tells you that it is a walk in the park, it's categorically untrue. Peter, just a fisherman, Jesus has given him and his friends glimpses and hints of this message, but but I haven't been too quick to cotton on. Peter hasn't. And, and even now, just come with me for a few minutes this morning and check out this dramatic dinner story. And even now, Peter, he's still not the sharpest tool in the shed. Jesus is with his 12 best friends. We call them the disciples. And, and they're in the upstairs room of a house in Jerusalem. And just like every other Jew in Jerusalem that night, every other Jew in Jerusalem that night, they're eating the Passover meal. On the table, there's bread, wine, water, herbs. On the side table, there's roast lamb. By the way, that's my favorite meal, roast lamb. There's swinging lamps aglow above them and then below around the little table there are 13 couches for hundreds of years the, the same customs have been followed and the same explanations given the same psalms have been sung the same blessings and thanksgivings pronounced it's the Passover 
And these people are celebrating and they're remembering the night centuries earlier when God had miraculously rescued his chosen people, the Jews, from their captive slavery in Egypt. It's, it's Jesus this night and his best friends alone in the room. But something's not quite right. It's while they're eating, and some of these guys who've gotten to know Jesus really well, they can tell Jesus isn't himself. No, no wonder then, because he tells them. This is in Matthew chapter 26, verse, 30, verse 21. The truth is, he said, one of you will betray me. He's already told him more than once before this that he's going to be arrested and tried and killed. He's going to be crucified and nailed to a cross. And he says it again now. He says, the truth is, one of you will betray me. For I, the Son of Man, he calls himself, as the Scriptures declared long ago, must die. But how terrible it will be for my betrayer. Far better for him if he'd never been born. But the betrayer, did you get that? He just said it. It's, it's one of the 12 guys with him. And soon all 12 of them, they're, they're all saying, is it me? Is it me? And it's like Peter, who's, Peter is one of the very closest to Jesus. Out of all those 12, three of them are closer to Jesus. Peter's one of those. And then he whispers to John, and, and we know that John, he's Peter's boyhood fisherman mate, remember. John is the closest to Jesus. And so Peter gets John to ask Jesus, just whispers to him. And, and, and John says, Lord, who is it? It's the one to whom I give the bread dipped in sauce, Jesus says. And then he dips his bread in the sauce and he leans over and he hands it straight to Judas. Judas Iscariot, the treasurer for the disciples. And the other nine, we reckon, hadn't heard this. I mean, there would have been a mutiny if they did. So Judas eats the bread and then Jesus says to him, he says, hurry. Do it now. It's in, it's in John chapter 13, verse 27. And so Judas gets up from the table and hurries off into the dark night. And the other disciples just think that Jesus had told him to, to go and pay for the food or even to give some money to the poor. They're unsuspecting. And for now then, the dinner it goes on. Have you ever been part of a Passover supper? I, I have. A couple of times. My, my dear late friend, Rabbi Harold Valens, Messianic Jewish rabbi. Oh, how I loved that man. Twice. Once was actually here at Mill Park Baptist Church. With Rabbi Harold, I sat through the wonder of a Passover supper. And, and the roast lamb... My favourite meal, that, that was about the least marvel of the whole night. 
And there in Jerusalem that night, while Peter's probably thinking, well, how hard could it be? I mean, really? While you're here this morning and you're kind of knowing that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And there, Jesus talks to all of his friends, minus Judas, who's left, and especially to Peter, who's that, that ordinary run-of-the-mill, brash, outspoken, bumbling, unlikely spokesman of the early church. And he tells them that tough times are ahead, like, like right ahead. This very night, it's all going to light up. And, and, and look what he says to Peter. It's in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you, Simon. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to chew you up and spit you out. Oh, get ready, my boy, because there are tough times ahead. You follow me, Peter, and it's going to cost you. Big time. It's not a picnic in the sunshine. You, you already heard me say this once, at least once. You've heard me say, Peter, before tonight, if you want to follow me, you'll have to deny yourself and pick up your cross. You know what? There's only one thing that ever happened to someone who was hanging onto a cross. Only one thing. And it's not a walk in the park. Trust me. He says, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So, so when you have repented and turned to me again, that sounds like he knows Peter's going to fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, well then strengthen and build up your brothers. Peter, Satan has asked me, Satan has to ask me, he cannot do it without my permission. And even with my permission, he only gets to go as far as I'll let him go. But Satan's asked me if he can go to town on you. And clearly Jesus has given Satan permission and he's given him limits, but he's also prayed for Peter. No way, Jesus. Peter's adamant. He's indignant, like he's mortified that Jesus could even suggest this. There's no way on earth he'll ever desert Jesus. He'll never deny him, even if he has to die with him, even if all the other 11 of them screw up. He won't. John chapter 13, verse 37, I'm ready to die for you, he says to Jesus. Die for me, Jesus says. It's quiet, it's loving, it's gentle. Die for me. No, before the rooster crows early tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times that you even know me. Hey, look in your Bible, though. That's John 13, I just read to you. Um, the Bible wasn't written originally with the verses and chapters that we've got there now for us. They just help us to understand it and make sense of it. 
So if you look right at the end of chapter 13, and just imagine there's no verse numbers and no chapter numbers there. It's just all writing. And then go to the start of chapter 14. Do it in your Bible. Here's how it would all sound. So if I go back to John 13, 37, and I'll read right through. Die for me, Jesus said. No, no. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times that you even know me. Don't be troubled. You trust God. Now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. Do you get that? Like, do you get that even for one second? What just got said? Peter, you're going to deny me tonight. Not, not once, but three times. And don't be troubled. Trust God. Trust me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Peter, you've got an eternal future. Even though you're just about to catastrophically fail me. Peter's not just a fisherman on earth. He has an eternal destiny and his time here on earth. It's only like this little pinprick. After that, he's going to be in the place that Jesus is going to go prepare for him. Wow. It's only a few, few hours now till, till Judas he skipped the rest of the dinner and, and scurried off. He's going to lead the mob of people up onto the Mount of Olives that's just outside Jerusalem. They're going to arrest Jesus, drag him back into town and put him on trial for his life. So, so here they are. There were, there were 13 of them at the dinner. Now there are only 12 because Judas is gone. And Peter's doggedly insisting that he'd never, ever desert or deny Jesus. Well, you will, Jesus says. Same breath. Don't be troubled, though, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says more. This is in John chapter 14, verse 3. And when everything is ready, in other words, when I've prepared the place... I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Hey, do you remember the, the Amy ad? You know, with the foot masseur and she's massaging Rhonda's feet. You know what she says? Rhonda is mine. <laughs> And Jesus is saying that night, Peter is mine. And he's saying that about the guy who is hours away from life-defining failure. Let down. Collapse. When everything's ready for you, my friend... I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. My friend, 
Here's the truth. Once you're following Jesus, it'll be tough. But nothing can take you out. Don't don't in any way mistake what we're saying here this morning, my friend. It is going to be tough. Jesus promised it. But let's declare it out loud and let's celebrate its awesome truth that once Jesus gets hold of your life, once you make that decision, then you're his. You're his. See, once you're following Jesus, he prays for you. You know that? Really? He prays for you? Yeah, yeah, my friend, yes. Yes, he does. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then will condemn us once that's once we're following Jesus? Will Christ Jesus? No. For he's the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of highest honour next to God. And what's he doing? Pleading for us. Once you're following Jesus, it'll be tough. But nothing can take you out. And nothing's taking you out because Jesus is praying for you. I love when anyone prays for me. But Jesus, like Jesus praying for me, I like that. Just like he'd already done for Peter. And for you, just like Peter, just in case you're wondering, just in case you're wondering, Satan is always bobbing up and down and he's always got you on his mind. He didn't just ask to sift Peter like wheat. So so Peter himself wrote these words. It's only a few years after that Passover dinner with Jesus. He said, be careful. My friend this morning, be careful because you're, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim like you to devour. Hey, also, once you're following Jesus, he's preparing a place for you. In Romans chapter 8, verses 30 and 31. And bear in mind, he's preparing that place for you Even though you're just a fisherman and you're just a builder and you're just a mum and you're just a student, you're just a day-to-day battler. And even if and when you are yet to fail him and fall way short of his call, he's preparing a place for you. You know, that, that old song that we would sing when I was a teenager. I've got a mansion builder who ain't through with me yet. 
He's preparing a place for you, my friend, if you're following him. And it is in his father's house in which there are many rooms. And what that means, my friend, is that once you're following Jesus, yes, it'll be tough. But nothing can take you out. See what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. And having chosen them, that, that's his followers. It's his real followers. The tough who get going when the going gets tough. He called them to come to him and he gave those people to follow us. He gave them right standing with himself and he promised them his glory. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? You got some voice telling you this morning that God's against you. You got voices screaming out at you. Reminding of your failure. If God's for you, who can ever be against you? And you know, one other thing that Jesus will do, once he's been praying for you and once he's done getting your place ready for you, once you're following Jesus, he will welcome you. Just like he said to Peter, you know, tradition tells us, we don't know for sure, but tradition tells us, and it's reliable tradition, that Peter was also crucified. That's how he died, on a cross. And tradition is that it was upside down. But Jesus was on hand, however Peter died, he was on hand to welcome him into the place he had prepared for him just like he will be for you. Totally guaranteed if you're following Jesus. See, Jesus said another time, it's in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else so no one can take them from me. Yeah, once you're following Jesus, it'll be tough. But nothing can take you out. You know those days when you wonder Do I really, really know Jesus? Maybe, maybe I don't. I reckon one of the most stressful experiences in my whole life, I can remember it like it happened yesterday, and it was over a period of several days. And I was, I was convinced it was during a time when I was really, really aware of, of, of the wrong that I had done. And I remember lying on my bed and thinking, you know what? If, if I die tonight, I'm going to go to hell. I, I, I cannot tell you how stressful that was. I can't explain it. 
It's actually common for people who are following Jesus to have times where they absolutely doubt to the core that they really know Jesus. Do you know how true it is? Not just for Peter the fisherman from Bethsaida, but but for you as well. It's, It's abundantly clear from Jesus' language and and you know, there's other language in the Bible as well, not even from Jesus in the Bible. Once you're following Jesus, it will be tough. But nothing can take you out. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you. I thank you for this truth, this truth which sets me free and my brothers and sisters who are listening to me now. Once we're following you, it'd be tough. But nothing can take us out. Thank you, Jesus. And now just while we're praying, my friends, you're listening in this morning, and and here's what's critical. If you know Jesus, it's it's time for for you to even just allow the Holy Spirit to to reach into your heart right now and to brand this on your heart so that you know it and you know it and you know it and you know it. That now that you're following Jesus, it'll be tough. Mark it down, it'll be tough. But nothing can take you out. Nothing. Not even catastrophic failure. And then, my friends too, you're listening in and you recognise, look, I, look, I don't think I do know Jesus yet. Then, then just, just come with me right now. Like, you can know him right now. Right this moment, you can know him. And, and in your own words, you can just say to him, Jesus, I, I know that, that without you, I'm lost. I'm lost. And I know, Jesus, that you died on the cross to rescue me from my sin, to pay the penalty, to take the punishment for my sin nature and for all that that means. And Jesus, I thank you so much for doing that. I accept your free gift. I thank you for your forgiveness of my debt and my sins and my sin and I surrender my life to you and I'll live with you as my Lord and my Saviour. That's all you've got to do and if you've done that this morning, friends, if you've done that, we just, we just need you to, um, to speak to your friend who knows and loves Jesus or, or be in contact with us at the church because we want to help you with this to follow Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Once we're following you, it'll be tough, but nothing can take us out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.